Um, we, are we are focusing our time today on the letter to the Philippians. Uh, last time that we met together, we covered the first part of the chapter. Today we will see the second part of chapter 1. But before we get there, I want to ask a question to everybody. Do you have a favorite saying or a motto that you live by in life? See, we live in a culture that promotes self-worth, self-reliance. Just turn on any social media platforms and, and people are trying to better themselves and get to the next level. Personal mottos, idioms, and sayings have become a tool of empowering people and inspiring them to be the best that they can be. A motto is a, is a short sentence, a phrase used as a guiding principle, a principle for a person's life. It can help achieve one's dreams and goals. For many, having a motto to live by is, is an important part of this journey that we call life. It gives us direction and purpose. So again, I go back to that first question. Do you have a motto in your life? Now, I did a little research online and uh, found some well-known mottos or sayings or phrases that many of you probably have heard before. So I'm going to put your knowledge to the test today to see how well you do. I promise this is not a, a quiz, okay? I just am looking for a little group participation today, Okay. So your objective is to fill in the blanks at the end of each sentence, okay? But we got to do it all together. You can't wait for the neighbor next door to give out the answer first, okay? So here we go. The first one. When life gives you lemons, make... Oh, you guys did good on that first one. Live every, every day like it's your... Don't sweat the small... Oh, pretty good so far. Less is... Okay, imagine telling that to a kid, right? Less toys, kids. Be the change you want to see in the world. If you can dream it, you can do it. Walt Disney said that for those of you who are fans. Comparison, this might be a bit tough one. Okay? Comparison is the thief of joy. Who said joy? Oh, very good. That was from Theodore Roosevelt. Laughter is the best. Stop and smell the you know, we have a lot of these sayings, and, you know, they mean certain things. This last one reminds us, you know, we need to take time to recognize the moments that we're in that bring us joy. You know, the book of Philippians is a book about joy, joyful living as we serve the Lord. You know, but sometimes life is not easy, is it? We can't always find joy, but we can find laughter, and we can find some funny stuff. So I did find some funny stuff, uh, and I'm going to put them up on the screen here, of what some of the families in our world today use as guiding principles. So let's see if they resonate with you, uh, with anyone in our audience today, okay? Don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. A tough one to hear, right? Well, when life gives you lemons, now some of you might like this one, squirt someone's eyes with it, okay, right? Squirt someone in the eye. 
Now, for our graduates, have we got any graduates in the room today? For those of you that are going to graduate next year, maybe. I just spent 113,880 hours of my life to receive a paper and a handshake. That's a good one for graduation, right? All that time you put in. Well, that escalated quickly. It's our family motto. How many of you can resonate with that? Someone must say, I'm in shape. Round is a shape. Right? And the last one there. Our family motto. Everyone, please just try and act normal. Let's go to the next one. Now, this one would resonate with our youth a lot. Okay? When I was young, this was probably one of my favorite things to do. Eat, sleep, play video games, repeat. We got any gamers out there? Yes, we do have some that enjoy this one. Next one. Live, laugh, love. These have become part of our everyday life. And we put them up on the, we put them up on the walls. We put them on maybe social media platforms, on Facebook. But how many of us truly are living, laughing, and loving? Next one. Pain is weakness leaving the body. How many of you had that coach that pushed you hard and said, you got to get that pain out of your body, right? Well, it doesn't work like that. Any doctors in the house, it doesn't work that way if you're in a lot of pain, right? In the history of medicine, I don't think the doctor would want you to suffer more pain. Next one. No pain, no gain. Now, this one was actually a favorite saying back in the 80s. It became popular in the 80s as and it was usually used in the area of working out, exercising, and it was used generally in the sports world. But do you think this last one, if you were to really think about it, do you think this one would be a good one for Paul? If we were to think of it in a spiritual sense? See, whether you realize it or not, in some way or form or shape, all of us have some type of guiding principle in life. We all have our own perspective. You know, when Sunita and I got married, um, we loved this verse in the Bible that has become a life verse or motto for many of us who are believers in the faith. Joshua here in chapter 24, verse 15 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, that's what Paul was trying to encourage the Philippians with. No matter what he's going through, no matter what they're going through, we have to make a decision who we are going to live for. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, and Carl alluded to this one earlier on in his prayer, the Apostle Paul shares his life motto with us, with all believers. He says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How about you as a Christ follower? What is your driving principle in life? This Sunday, we will continue to look at the book of Philippians. But first, for those of us who have forgotten where we were last time, okay, let's do, a, let's do a recap, okay, from what we talked and discussed last time. Last sermon, we focused primarily on the question, how we find joy in serving Christ. And I shared a few practical ways uh, that, we can, that we can put to practice the, the ministry of prayer, uh, giving thanks, partnering with other believers in the faith, partnering with other churches, 
You know, this very week, we are partnering with a group of missionaries going to Saudi. They're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they're taking the ministry of the gospel to a difficult part of the world. Sharing our faith boldly. Encouraging others and seeing God at work in others. Locally and globally. As we look at the letter of Philippians, we, and we're studying that, we learned from chapter 1 that Paul's letter was addressed to the entire church. The entire leadership. He thanked them for supporting his ministry in the good days and the bad times. See, they were a very giving church and loyal to the gospel ministry. And Paul faithfully and joyfully prayed for them and gave thanks to God on their behalf for their unwavering commitment to the Lord. See, Paul knew that the Lord had begun a great work in their life, in their church, and Paul also prayed that God would continue that work and sanctify them and mold them into the image of his son. He challenged them to live a pure and blameless life because that would bring glory and praise to God the Father. Now we also learned that Paul wrote the, this personal letter to them to inform them of his circumstances and strengthen their faith in these times of uncertainty. The Christians at Philippi were worried about Paul. He was in prison, and they were concerned for his well-being. And Paul told them, hey, don't worry. Be happy. Okay, maybe he didn't actually say it that way, but in some form, okay? In actuality, he, he did say something similar. He said, you know, he shared with them that God was doing great things in the midst of his suffering. His difficult circumstances were actually for a great cause in the spread of the gospel. God was at work inside and outside the prison walls. His suffering and persecution had actually caused the gospel message to reach far more people than Paul could ever imagine. Acts chapter 28, verse 30 to 31, you don't have to write this down, but just listen, tells us that during the two-year period that Paul was in Rome under house arrest, he taught about Jesus and preached the kingdom of God with all openness. He was committed. His pain, if we were to look at the first phrase that we were talking about, no pain, no gain, his pain, which was his suffering, his persecution, his house arrest, his imprisonment, brought about lots of gain, spiritual gain. It brought growth for the kingdom of God. As Paul put it in verse 12 of chapter 1, for the greater progress of the gospel. His suffering and imprisonment led to other believers courageously preaching the gospel boldly. Though many of them, as we noticed last time, there was these two conflicting groups that were sharing the gospel and their own, their, their own motives. And Paul says, you know what? Despite their motives, I will rejoice because Christ is being proclaimed. Today, we will look at the second part of the chapter as we focus on this primary question. How do we find joy in living for Christ? How can we use the opportunities that come our way that we're faced with to bring Him glory and honor? This brings us to our point number one. Okay, number one. By living a life that brings honor and glory to him. Okay, write that down. 
See, God in his divine wisdom and orchestrated to bring Paul to Rome. During this time, Rome was the major city of the entire known world. It was the best place that he could be in, in sharing the gospel. We don't know the actual charges that Paul faced while he was under house arrest, but Paul knew that as a Roman citizen, he would be released soon. He had confidence that God would get him out of this situation. Let's read verses 19 and 20 together in chapter 1. For I know, okay, I'm going to sort of emphasize those big words. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul knows that something is going to happen. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Words such as I know, my earnest expectations and hope in Christ show that Paul has a positive perspective in his life. He's confident that God is going to deliver him out of this situation. One thing we can also be sure of is that the power of prayer is at work here. Who's praying for Paul during this time? It is the believers at Philippi. Paul knows and thanks them. Thank you for your prayers. They're doing something. They have power. But also, who else is helping Paul bring that confidence in his life? It's the Holy Spirit. So the prayer of the saints and the Holy Spirit working together is able to see uh, get Paul through this difficult time. And Paul knows Whatever happens will be to the glory and the honor of the Lord. When Paul spent his two years under house arrest, um, we know that he used his time to write things, to write other letters. We know in history that Paul would actually be released and go on to write the pastoral letters later on. So I'm giving you sort of a little, okay, what's going to happen in the future, okay? But we see that the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit gives Paul confidence. And we can have that same confidence that he is going to deliver us as we depend on him. Paul in the text also encouraged the Philippians that he hopes to see them soon. He hopes to see them again as he is released from prison. His life challenges and experiences, good or bad they may be, all are for the glory of Jesus However, Paul knows that he still has to stand trial. It's not going to be an easy journey. He's preached the gospel, and for that he is in prison. But the outcome of the trial could potentially end in death for him. And he knows that fact very well. However, he wants to honor and exalt God, whether in living for him or dying for him. After all the suffering, the persecution, the trials, the tribulations that he has faced in life serving Jesus, at the end of his life, he says, I don't want to be put to shame. I don't want to be disgraced, but I want to represent Christ well. Do we have the same attitude as that of Paul? Are we living life to glorify and honor God? Psalm 25.3, you can just write the references. You can look at these later on for time's sake. 
Psalm 25.3 says, No one whose hope is in the Lord will ever be put to shame. Paul's hope was in the Lord. And he was not going to be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous, who are unrighteous, and they are without excuse, the Bible tells us. The author of Ecclesiastes said this, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. Paul understood what his life was supposed to be and how he was to live. The author of Ecclesiastes continues. He says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. We will be judged on what we do in this lifetime. And as followers of Christ, our goal is to live a life of service and obedience to him. For Paul, Christ would be exalted and glorified no matter what happened to his earthly life. That should be our way of thinking as well. This, Paul had a lot of favorite saints in the Bible. And here in Philippians, we find one of the most well-known ones. You know, and all of us have a, five, a favorite Bible verse or a quote that we kind of want to call it our life verse. Mine is Jeremiah 29, 11. But Paul here, he uses something that many of us maybe don't want it to be our life verse. Because many of us maybe are not ready to die for the Lord. See, as we look at the life of Paul in this passage, we're introduced to the, one of the greatest statements in the New Testament. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul believed this wholeheartedly. But how many of us in this room actually believe it to be true? Do you want to live for Christ? Are you ready to die for him? See, as Christians, do we have the same perspective as that of Paul regarding life and death? Some of us here in this room may say, and that may be me as well, Lord, I've got a long way to go. I'm not ready yet. Some of our young folks, you know, I'm still young. Got a whole life to figure things out. Or maybe I'm just getting started in this Christian life. I feel like I've done nothing. Maybe I'm not ready to go yet. But others who have gone through intense suffering and persecution for being followers of Christ, others that we may not hear of, those are the people that are ready to depart this world because they know that life will be better in the presence of the Lord. Now, Paul, and I'm not suggesting here that we be in a hurry to die, okay? That's not, Paul is, that's not what Paul is talking about in this passage. I do want to clarify that. But, but I want to challenge you guys that as we are continuing to spread the gospel message, are we ready or whatever comes our way. Paul actually, in the letter, as we're going to read later on, he actually wanted to continue his ministry with the Philippians. But on the other hand, he knew that his life was almost at the end. He still wanted to continue the spread of the gospel. He wanted to have a fruitful labor, as we read later, earlier on. He simply stated that he was at peace. He had peace that either outcome would be of great benefit in his life here or thereafter. Whatever happened to him 
Whatever the outcome of the trial, Paul would remain faithful to God. Brothers and sisters, don't waste your life away. Young people, don't waste your life away. Serve God faithfully and honor him in all that you do. Because we know that life is unpredictable. And we don't know when we will face death. I don't know, for some of you that uh, may be driving Darnstown or the main road leading to Rockville, there was a car accident the other day that took a whole pole power line. Not sure what happened to that person in the car. It was a pretty bad accident. The whole pole had fallen down. Not sure if he's alive or she's alive. But when we get in an accident, we definitely think about life and death, don't we? We want to know. I want to challenge you to be at peace by putting your hope and faith in the Lord. Serve God faithfully. Like Paul, he was willing to dedicate his life and ministry to the gospel and was ready to endure death even if it came to that end. In this passage, as we continue on, we see that Paul faces a difficult situation. Have you ever faced a difficult situation where you had a tough decision to make, but he knew that either decision was good for the family? Okay, better job, better pay. Okay, maybe something like that. But Paul here was sort of in a win-win scenario. Okay, we don't quite get those in our world today, right? Um, but either choice for Paul would have been a great outcome, positive outcome. And he was struggling with the same thing in verses 21 to 26. He's facing a challenging decision. There's these two desires, and he has to wrestle to decide, which one do I really want for my life? On one hand, he desires life because he knows that he wants to bear much fruit for the Lord. He wants to continue in his ministry. And on the other hand, he desires death because he knows that, hey, my suffering will end. There will be no more pain. I don't have to go through all this suffering, and I can be with the Lord forever. But I like Paul's perspective here. I like his response. It shows the kind of man, the kind of character he had. Paul is not a selfish apostle. He's not a selfish man. See, if I was selfish, I would say, hey, I'm going to put my needs before others. See you guys later. We'll see you in eternity. But that's not what Paul says here. Paul says it is very much better to be in glory with Christ. However, it is necessary for him to stay. It is necessary for him to stay and continue the work that he has been doing with Philippians, but also all the believers in the different churches that he established. He concludes that, hey, I'm going to put my needs on the side, and I'm going to serve the Lord for the rest of the time that I have here. Let that be a reminder and a challenge for us who have been Christians for a very long time. God still has given you that extra time for a reason. Do something with it. See, Paul had shared this concept in other parts of the Bible. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 8, 9, okay? We are of good courage, I say. And Carl read, read this one. And prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. In Paul's perspective, he desired that his life bring glory to God. 
in his life and in his death, he wants to please God. Romans 14, Paul writes, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. This brings us to our number two in our outline for today. How do we find joy in living for Christ? Number two, by living a life that bears fruit for him. By living a life that bears fruit for him. Paul wanted to continue his ministry, to continue to bear fruit. I mean, if we were to look at Paul, it's like, Paul, you've done plenty for everybody. You're the apostle to the Gentile world. And you worked harder than any other person. Paul even tells us, hey, I was the one guy that worked harder than anybody else to spread in the gospel. And we could give Paul a break and say, you know what, you've done plenty. Let others carry the torch. Let others do the rest. But Paul wanted to continue that ministry. He wanted to continue to bear fruit. Okay, and he alluded to that in the passage where he says, you know, I desire a fruitful labor. I want to save as many people as I can with the time that I have. What are you doing with the time that God has given you on this earth? Are you using it wisely? Are you wasting it away? He was committed, Paul, that is, to use it in his time and serve God and give him glory. And he wanted to do that to even the point of death. Paul was worried about the kingdom growth agenda. He wasn't worried about his own personal needs. We learned from last time, even in prison, he wrote letters and didn't waste his time away. In Galatians, Paul writes this, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Paul knew that his hard work was going to bear fruit eventually. In Colossians, he encourages the believers by this message, The gospel which has come to you, which he shared with them, just as it's all in the world, it's constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it's been doing in you also since the day you heard it, of it, and understood of the grace of God in truth. Here, Paul says to the Colossians, the gospel has been producing fruit for you from the moment you heard of it. Continue to bear more fruit. While in chains, Paul is being productive. He's doing what God has called him. And we need to follow the same example. In verse 23 of our text today, Paul sees the benefit of departing the, from this world. Death for him meant that it was the end of suffering and being in the presence of the Almighty God for eternity. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? All of us want that. That is obviously our ultimate desire in life, to be in a place where there's no pain, no suffering, no death. Revelations 21 and 22, right? But as we look around the world today, there's a lot more work to be done. Who's going to do it? There's a lot of people that need to hear the gospel. They need to hear about the Lord. Do you desire to honor God with your life and share the gospel to those who never heard of him? Like Paul, do you desire to be with him for eternity? Paul desired both, but finally he decided to serve others. And we need to do the same. 
He wanted more people to join God's family. And we're called to serve one another and to make Christ known to all mankind. Paul wanted the joy to remain in the life of the believers at Philippi. See, our faith involves us in growing, serving, bearing fruit, and being joyful in the gospel message. It's important for us to know God's agenda and God's will. And Paul mainly said, Lord, I'm going to do your will. I'm not going to do mine. It's easy for me to say, take me, but I'm going to continue to carry forth your will and purpose in life. This brings us to our third point. How do we find joy in living for Christ? By living a life, fill in the blank, worthy of the gospel and standing firm for the faith of the gospel. See, in the last part of the chapter, Paul explained his circumstances. He encouraged the Philippian believers of the possible reunion that they were to have in the near future. We don't really know if they actually met or not. The Bible doesn't give us a record of that. Okay? But here he gives them a challenge. And this is the challenge. What is the challenge? To live a life worthy of the gospel. Now, it would take us a lot to unpack that. Okay? But how do we go about doing that? How do we go about doing that? Next slide. Okay? He mentions three things. Okay? First one is unity. We must live in unity, having the same mind, the mind of Christ, and also having the same spirit, the spirit of God that works in us. It's through the mind of Christ, through the thinking, you know, in Romans 12, Paul tells us, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Not thinking the way the world thinks, but the way Christ thinks. And it's the spirit of God that unites us. It's not the causes. It's not the world that unites people. We've seen that. That doesn't work very well, does it? When the world tries to unite people, it actually causes more division. But it is the Spirit of God that unites us in the same purpose, the same will, the same objective and mission. Number two, he says, by not fearing the enemy. Paul tells the Christian believers at Philippi, hey, uh, you're going to have opponents to the gospel. Just like I had opponents, just like I had opposition, you're going to have opposition. Guess what? Today, we're no different. We are also going to have opposition. But he says, don't fear the enemy. Because the message of the gospel for the enemy, it's destruction. Paul tells that us in this passage. But for to you, he says, it's salvation. And number three, persevering through suffering. Persevering through suffering. Paul knew what it meant to suffer. And the Philippians had experienced some suffering, but not to the extent that Paul had. This challenge Paul wanted to give them as they were awaiting his return and his visit. It's the same challenge Paul gives us today. As we conclude today, as Christians... We're called to live a life that brings honor and glory to the Lord. A life that is bearing fruit. And a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is simple. 
lot of us hear it, we know it, but how many, how many of us are actually living it? Paul lived every minute of it and every second. He said, Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and rose on the third day, according to scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Very simple. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried, rose on the third day to defeat sin and death. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Acts chapter 16. The very same chapter, story, where Paul preached to the jailer. We talked about last time. And the jailer says, what can I do to be saved? Paul says, believe and you and your household will be saved. And the jailer rejoiced because he accepted the good news of the gospel. In 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul reminds us that the gospel comes with suffering. It's not just faith. Believing is good, but suffering is also part of that. He writes to Timothy, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I love how Paul encouraged the Philippians and how he encouraged Timothy and how he encouraged us today. But he also reminds us that there is suffering that comes along with living for Christ. Are you willing to live for Christ knowing that your end may be in death? Paul says the gospel to the one that listens and hears and responds is salvation. But the one that does not is destruction. For us as Christians, we can find joy, great joy, as we live for Christ faithfully. Let's pray.